Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to the Outsider Art Podcast, Episode 2, Adolf Wolfley, Part 1. But now, my dear reader, I want to introduce you to events, accidents of fate and adventures, etc., to make by God your hair stand on end in horror. Ah, no, watch out, pay attention. There's the Godfather Thunderbolt Springing Fountain, with a diameter nine hours long, spurting 1,999,900 hours high, in the giant city inhabited by 135 million souls, and a Godfather Slaughter on the identically named giant island in the large East Ocean, and the Garden of Eden, with the Cedars of Eden, 1,999,900 hours high. The garden is a giant city. That passage is from what is known as the Geographic and Algebraic Books, which were completed between 1912 and 1916. It is from Book 11, in which Wolfley and his companions leave the Earth and continue their travels in the cosmos. When Adolf Wolfley passed away on November 6th, 1930, he was working on what would become his final uncompleted work, Funeral March. He left behind 45 large southbound books and 16 exercise books of over 25,000 pages in total, which included over 1,600 drawings and 1,600 collages, as well as approximately 50 early artworks hundreds of pieces of what Walter Morgenthaler called bread art, but are now more commonly referred to as his single sheet drawings, as well as intricately painted objects such as a screen and wooden closets. Surrealist poet André Breton wrote of Wolfley in the exhibition catalogue for the 1965 International Exhibition of Surrealism, his, quote, Full Ensemble represents one of the three or four most important oeuvres of the century. Unquote. The great master of art brute, Adolf Wolfley, was born on 29th February 1864 in Bern, Switzerland. He was the youngest of seven brothers. Bern at the time was suffering through a period of significant poverty. Wolfley's mother, Anna, was a laundress and his father, Jakob, a stonemason. He was also an alcoholic and criminal, like many of the migrant and itinerant workers for whom petty theft became an occupation. Jakob spent substantial time in prison. He abandoned the family when Adolf was about five years old. Anna worked to support herself and Adolf, but in 1872 she fell ill and, in accordance with the law, was forced to return to the home community of the Wolfley family in Zazuel. As wards of the community, they were separated, and Adolf was sent to work for different farmers in exchange for food and lodging. When Anna died in 1873, eight-year-old Adolf was all alone and fated the hard life of a child hireling. 
He worked for a series of farming families, some of whom were abusive and negligent, with alcoholism being a common theme amongst many of them. Despite this, Adolf excelled in school and completed his formal education in 1879. He retells the story of his young life in his short life story, written at the beginning of his internment at the Waldau Mental Asylum in a section he called The Early Years, and then reimagines it in the group of narrative works entitled From the Cradle to the Grave. The long title of the work is instructive as to the mindset and intention of its author. From the Cradle to the Grave, or Through Work and Sweat, Suffering and ordeals, even through prayer into damnation, manifold travels, adventures, accidental calamities, hunting and other experiences of a lost soul erring about the globe, or a servant of God without a head is more miserable than the most miserable of wretches. The late Alcat Spori, former curator of the Adolf Wolfley Foundation, takes up his story succinctly in her essay for the book The Art of Adolf Wolfley, St. Adolf Giant Creation. Quote, From 1880 to 1895, Wolfley worked as an itinerant farmhand and handyman, travelling within the cantons of Bern and Neuchatel. In 1882, he fell in love with the daughter of a local farmer, but her parents forbade the union for social reasons. The loss haunted Wolfley for the rest of his life. Wolfley poetically summarized this grief in his short life story in 1895. Quote, I became downcast, even melancholy, and was at my wit's end. That same evening, burning with grief, I rolled in the snow and wept for the happiness so cruelly snatched from me. Spori continues. Quote, in 1883 and 1884 he fulfilled his military obligation, training in the infantry at Lucerne. In Bern in 1888 and 1889, Wolfley was involved with two women, a young prostitute and a widow 20 years his senior, but both relationships were broken off. Although Wolfley did not become embroiled in a criminal life, he was apprehended twice for petty theft of tobacco serving a week in jail each time. End quote. Wolfley summarised this jail time humorously as being put up, quote, for eight days free of charge, End quote. After being hospitalised with typhoid fever, suffering extreme poverty and leading a dissolute life, Wolfley then engaged in the first of his serious criminal acts, which were to see him eventually committed to Waldau. Spuri continues, quote, Gradually Wolfley's life in Bern became more and more lonely. In the spring of 1890, while on a walk in the woods near Bremgarten Forest, he tried to entice a 14-year-old girl to engage in sexual activity. When she cried out, the girl's companions came immediately to her rescue, and Wolfley, after giving false information about himself, made his escape. Later that summer he again approached a girl, a seven-year-old this time, clearly intending to molest her. He was again caught before he succeeded, but this time he was arrested, convicted and sentenced to two years in prison. 
After he was released, he found it harder and harder to find a job. He worked as a gardener, a gravedigger, a mason, and a delivery man. His various landlords and others around him found his behaviour increasingly strange. He became pious, but also more and more angry and explosive. Wolfley's final break with society came in 1895, following an attempt to molest a three-year-old girl. He was caught, and on June 3rd he was sent to the Waldale Mental Asylum for evaluation. When questioned about his behaviour, Wolfley said that he was aware that it was forbidden. He had resorted to such actions, he said, because the rich parents of his beloved had forced him to give her up. The medical examiners at Waldau diagnosed dementia paranoides, known as schizophrenia, and declared him mentally incompetent and dangerous to society. Wolfley was 31 years old. He remained in the Waldau Mental Asylum until his death in 1930 at the age of 66. End quote. In response to Waldau's admission questionnaire, Wolfley wrote his short life story from which I quoted previously. His often florid, dramatic prose is evident already, and this story provides some of the most concise information regarding Wolfley's life prior to his incarceration. According to his medical notes, Wolfley began drawing and writing in earnest in 1899 often in isolation due to numerous violent episodes. His work seemed to aid in keeping him focused and calm. His drawings at the time were described in the notes as, quote, quite imbecilic, a chaotic jumble of notes, words, figures. He gives the individual sheets fanciful names, such as string of trumpets, undercasm, etc. End quote. Unfortunately, all of his works up until 1904 were discarded by the hospital. Some were torn up by other patients, which initiated fights. His first preserved works date from 1904, created in black and white pencil and called by Wolfley musical compositions. Elements that characterise Wolfley's art are already apparent in these drawings, so it's fairly safe to say that his previous lost work would also fit aesthetically within the body of work that remains. It is a pity that about five years worth of Wolfley's development as an artist were destroyed, but we must be thankful that most of his remaining output was so carefully collected and stored. Wolfley was obviously an extremely prolific artist and writer. In his early years at the hospital he would be constantly asking other staff and patients for supplies and would often use up his pencil within a couple of days. If he couldn't find any, he would sometimes work with tiny stubs of pencil, just a few millimetres long, gripped between his fingernails. Running out of materials often prompted outbursts and violent behaviour. In 1907, the young psychiatrist Walter Morgenthaler, who first brought Adolf Wolfley's work to a wider audience in his 1921 monograph, Madness in Art, the life and works of Adolf Wolfley, arrived at Waldau. Dr. Morgenthaler remained at the hospital until 1919 and was instrumental in supporting and encouraging Wolfley's development as an artist. Wolfley's first preserved colour drawings also date from 1907. Morgenthaler, as quoted in Daniel Wojcik's Outsider Art, Visionary Words and Trauma, 
describes Wolfley's discipline methods in his monograph. Quote, he almost never takes a break. As soon as one sheet is finished, he immediately begins another, ceaselessly writing and drawing. He thinks with his pencil, and it is often movement that brings his thought. He seeks to gather and fix from the sum of his internal experience as many as he can of those landmarks which correspond best to his personality and to his most profound instincts. The effort to retain as much as possible from the abundant stream of life of his soul must be his hardest work. He himself expressed this with good humour one day while showing off a half-filled page. There's the work. You can't imagine how taxing it is to try not to forget anything. It would surely drive a person crazy if he weren't already. End quote. It was not that art making healed Wolfley or extinguished his psychoses, but as Daniel Wojcik says, quote, In Morgenthaler's view, the creative process helped him control his mental illness to some extent, while providing a degree of catharsis, a sense of order, and a virtual alternative reality. End quote. This diagnosis of the therapeutic benefit of art making for the mentally ill is a recurring theme for many artists within the genre. In 1908, Wolfley begins his narrative works with From the Cradle to the Grave, his tragic and miserable childhood transformed into a sort of fantastic travelogue and adventure, where Adolf, as the child Dufi, journeys to different parts of the globe with the Swiss hunters and nature explorers travelling society. It is set between 1866 and 1872, prior to his mother's death and his life as a foster child. The work was completed between 1908 and 1912 and is made up of a series of numbered books. In total, there are more than 2,970 pages and 752 illustrations in pencil and coloured pencil. It was also in 1908 that Wolfley developed one of his most prominent visual motifs, the little bird, or Vogeli. Elke Spori explains, quote, These primal shapes can be read as hallucinatory emblems. Less abstractly, they are also building blocks, fillers or symbols and serial elements that can be used to form larger figures. They appear in every one of Wolfley's pictures made between 1908 and 1930, serving as counterweights to the human faces, which are marked by impassivity and gravity. Drawn only in outline or filled with colour, the birds appear coy and animated, standing still or flying, seemingly protective, never threatening, expressing excitation and sometimes suggesting danger. End quote. Wolfley's work features many repeated motifs. Spuri calls them his vocabulary of forms, and they are the glue which holds his images together and are a consistent visual language which helps decipher his often dense and complicated pieces. Conveniently, Spuri summarised his vocabulary and it is included with accompanying illustrations by Marcus Ratz in the excellent book Adolf Wolfley, Draftsman, Writer, Poet, Composer. You can see some of these illustrations in the episode notes on shows.acast.com slash outsider-art-podcast. There are a large selection of patterns, including what Spuori calls the ring of bells in multiple variations, as well as snails, 
birds and a creature called the Hoptquicks, as well as a section of hand-drawn typography. Wolfley also included many faces, often depicting himself or his alter egos, which develop in shape and style over time, with a dark, almost mask-like shape appearing around the eyes in his mid-to-late works. Elke Spuri comments, quote, The accentuation of the eyes typically seen by schizophrenics is sometimes apparent in Wolfley's works as a mask slash spectacles, which can be found detached from a face at different places in the drawings. End quote. The face's adornments become more majestic as his legend grows throughout the narrative works. Another feature of his work is the inclusion of musical staves. In his earlier work, these staves were bare, but as time went on, he filled these with notes, creating both a visual and a musical composition. Wolfley would sometimes play his musical compositions on a trumpet that he fashioned out of a roll of paper. Wolfley drew much inspiration and information for his narrative works from the Waldau Asylum Library, as quoted by Elke Spuri. Quote, An entry in the Medical History of 1924 reads, he loves to browse the illustrated magazines, has a good memory, and what he has seen once he remembers, and it has a certain influence on his pictures made shortly afterwards. Morgenthaler also writes, The geographical data are, as a rule, quite correct, and put together from an atlas. His calendars, illustrated advertisements, brochures, and the likes also serves as a source. End quote. Wolfley would go on to create four further narrative collections, consisting of numerous books and a large amount of single-sheet drawings, which stand alone from his narrative works, and many of which were sold or swapped in order for him to get more art materials and tobacco. It was on the basis of these drawings that Wolfley became justifiably famous. So ends Adolf Wolfley Part 1. Unlike the majority of outsider artists, there is a large body of materials which cover both the life and work of Adolf Wolfley. There is much to continue to explore. I've included a reading list on the episode page at shows.acast.com slash outsider-art-podcast. So get amongst it. Next time in part two, we will continue to delve into the remaining narrative works and take a look at his single sheet drawings. Thank you for listening, and I hope you will join me next time on the Outsider Art Podcast.